You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. I remember back in the early days of going to school, and I kind of feel like I'm back in the early days of going to school, I'm wearing some of the same things I probably would have been wearing back then, like a jean jacket, a backpack, and couldn't afford Jordans back then, so uh, I was wearing something from Kmart probably. Um, that was where I, I got my shoes, or Payless. That was the other place to go to. Um, and I, uh, if you're like me, you had that moment where the teacher said, tomorrow we're going to do show and tell. And Brent, today is, tomorrow will be your day to do show and tell. Now, as a kid, show and tell either was exciting or terrifying, whichever it was for you, because you had to stand in front of everybody, and then you had to come up with something that you thought was interesting, at least uh, from your standpoint, and that you hoped that your classmates liked, or else you'd get made fun of, and that was no fun. Um, and then, so you also had to stand in front of people and talk. So I thought I'd do a little show and tell today and, and kind of recapture that moment for us. I uh, got my backpack, and in my backpack I have something that's I want to show you. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's valuable to me. And so years ago, and I say years ago, this is legitimate now. I'm not pretending. This is legitimate. Years ago, uh, probably in the early to mid-'80s, uh, my father and I saw this ad in the newspaper. That's kind of the printed thing that you read news on. Um, and it was like in the little classified ads. That's something else that you had to do. For if you generation now doesn't know what that is either. And, and in the classified ads, there was this advertisement for someone who was selling comic books. Now, I was a comic book collector. My dad knew that. He collected stuff. We collected baseball cards. We collected everything. And so uh, I wanted to go see if we could go get these comic books. So we drove to the other side of town. I still remember exactly where it was. We drove down Peach Orchard Road. We went to this person's house, and they had these peach crates full of comic books. Probably, I don't know, well over 500, maybe somewhere between 500 and 1,000 comic books, and he was trying to sell them. Well, I think he got confused. To make a long story short, he sold us all of those comic books, like I said, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 comic books for 50 bucks. Now, all these comics were from the mid-70s, uh, early 70s, maybe some of the late 60s. All of them I take home and I just start to go through them and write them down, and I've had these now forever. I still have some of them. Inside this box, and now they weren't in great shape because they were thrown inside a peach crate inside of somebody's house, right? But inside this peach crate, I found this comic book. And this comic book is one I still have today, and I brought it for show and tell. Okay, there's Evil Knievel. Anybody remember Evil Knievel? So, all right. But it was a 1974 Amazing Spider-Man comic book. With, it's the holy grail of amazing Spider-Man comic books. It had the debut, the introduction of the Punisher. Now, somebody applauding that? I mean, that's, that, okay, that's weird. That's fine, whatever. Okay, so in this comic book, they introduced the Punisher and another character, the Jackal. It's the first time they'd ever been in comic books. Well, now that this is this comic book today, in, I got it graded, and it because it was not in great shape, it's only a three and a half. As a three and a half, it's still worth $1,300. That's well over the 50 bucks that my dad and I, or my dad spent. He says I never paid him back. I think I have at this point. 
But at the reality is, this comic book, if it was in mint condition, is worth over $40,000. Now, don't come trying to get my comic book. I will hurt you. I've had this since the 80s, so I thought I'd show it to you. It's valuable to me. I love this comic book. I love Spider-Man. And I was so excited that I got the amazing Spider-Man comic book in this throwaway kind of thing that this guy had. Said, here, have them all for 50 bucks. I hope that this week has been something that has been enjoyable for you. I know that a lot of us have different situations with our families. Maybe you traveled. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe the rain kept you at home, whatever the case may be. Maybe you're coming to the second service. And those of you who are here today, we're grateful that you made it. But we gathered together with our family, and then we left. The whole series is called Gathered and Go, Gathered to Go. Some of you gathered, and you couldn't wait to go. Others of you gathered and you didn't want to go. You just wanted to stay and linger. Some of you maybe didn't have anybody to gather with. I want you to know no matter where you found yourself this week and who you found yourself with, amazingly and lovingly, your father was with you in all of those places and he always will be. That's the promise of a loving God. And today we gather together as the body of Christ to worship Jesus and to declare, as we just sang, that he's the one that builds his church. And it's so important that the gathering that we do on Sundays, the gathering that we do to corporately worship God, is one that we continually must do if we're going to be those who actually gather to go into the world as ministers of reconciliation. Because that's what we've all been called to be. We gather in the name of Jesus, and then we go in the name of Jesus. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus, as we talked about last week, and we go wherever he sends us, whenever he sends us, to whomever he sends us, for as long as we're here, we go. This includes the nations, which might seem unfamiliar to some of you, but nonetheless, it is a biblical mandate given to us in the Word of God. Two very familiar scriptures that I'm going to read just to mention that this morning. One that we talk about all the time, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, but then also in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me just read them so that we can understand what we have been called to do as believers in Jesus Christ. Not for the professional, not for this person, but for all who call on his name. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Age. And then Jesus' own words in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So why do we go to the nations? And why do we care about reaching the world for Jesus? Something that I would pray and still do for my kids, my family every night, that, that we would win the world for Jesus. First and foremost, the reason we do this is we refer back to our passage of Scripture from last week in 1 John chapter 4. We do this because God is love. 
God loves and he sent his son. So we love and we care about people because God loves and cares about people. Everything that God does flows out of his love for us. So everything that we do flows out of our love for him. We go because God loves people. So when God gives us commands and God gives us a commission and God gives us instructions, it is characterized by his love for the world, his love for us, and his love for other people. People, therefore, we go and we go to the nations. We go to wherever God leads us. And what we see very clearly is from the end of the street to the ends of the earth, God has made every provision for us to be able to gather in his name and go in the power of his name, to be those who testify of what he has done on behalf of those who have called on the name of Jesus Christ. And what is that? That's the gospel. What has Jesus done? That's the good news of the gospel. Because of God's great love for us, Jesus died for us, took our place, and rose again. But we have to accept the good news first before we're willing to go and tell the good news. Here's a point to remember. The work of Christ in us precedes the work of Christ through us. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't use anybody and everybody and he will for his purposes, but the normative progression, the normative reality of what God has chosen to do through Christ in our lives is for the believer to receive the love of God in Christ by faith and then share the love of God with other people. Today, I want you to see this progression and I want to give you this progression so that you could first experience before we lead others to experience it as well. Maybe today I'm reminding you of what you've experienced in Christ so that you can be encouraged to share what you've experienced in Christ with others. Or maybe for some of you today that you're here or you're listening and you've never experienced Christ unto salvation. But we cannot take someone to a place that we have never been. So we need to break it down. I can't take somebody to see something that I've never seen. So here's the progression. Come, see, Believe, go, show, and tell. This is the elaboration, if you will, of the theme of this series, gathered to go. This is the necessary progression because before we can talk about what God has called us to do, we have to first be those who've accepted what Christ has already done. And what has he done? He sent his son Jesus to take away the sins of the world on the cross, not because he was fed up, not because he had no other options, not because he was angry with you, but because of his unconditional, immeasurable, unending love. We have to accept that first. We cannot give what we have not first received. We love because he first loved us, First John 4 says. We cannot share what we do not have. This is why the church gathers. This is why the church gathered in Acts 2 to receive the power of God so that they could then go and share what God had given to them. This is why come, see, and believe proceeds go, show, and tell. And I think the temptation for us as, as people in the church or maybe just people in general is to think that we can go and do something for God. We can go and do missions for God and he will accept us, but that's not the gospel. Along those same lines, we can tend to feel the pressure to perform 
before we have a song to sing. Listen, when Jesus saved you, he gave you a song to sing. But before that happens, I've got nothing to perform with. I've got nothing to give. God has not called you to go do what is impossible to do without an encounter with your Savior, Jesus Christ. We cannot go show and tell until we have first come, seen, and believed. So although Jesus has called us to do the Great Commission, we cannot reach the world until Jesus has first reached into our hearts. And that's what he's called us to share with others. We are the mission before we go on mission. And even when we go on mission, we're still the mission that God is working in and through until Jesus returns. But once we have gathered at the foot of the cross, once we have gathered under the name and the banner of Jesus Christ, then we must go in his name. When you have gathered at the foot of the cross, then you go as people of the cross. So if you have your Bible with you today, I want to turn a little bit before the passage I just read in Matthew 28. But let's turn to Matthew 28, and let's look at verses 5 through 7, right before Jesus gives the Great Commission. And I want to look at this passage of Scripture today where the two Marys go to Jesus' empty tomb. Two Marys. Mary, Mary. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he, he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I love how that ends. Now I have told you. In verse 6 and 7, we see the come and see. And then after that, we see the go and tell. That's how it always progresses for the believer. Once you come and see, you have to believe for yourself if you're actually going to go and show and tell others what you have seen, what is valuable to you. Let's break each one of these down briefly. In verse six, we see the first of our instructions and that is to come. Come to Jesus. It's that, that phrase, oh, we're about to have a come to Jesus moment. Look, everybody's got to have a come to Jesus moment. We all have to come to the place where we come to him as he said that we must. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is an invitation to all of us from our Savior. It's a loving invitation from Jesus. I don't know why we've turned it into a non-loving invitation, right? Oh, we're about to have a come to Jesus moment. That's the exact opposite of what a come to Jesus moment is. It's loving. And he's called everybody to himself. Jesus never pushes people away because of where they are or where they came from or what they did or what they've done. He pulls us in because he knows he is the answer to the void in our hearts and our lives. He said he came to save the lost, to heal the sick. You feel weighed down, you feel crushed, you feel tired, you feel weary. He says, come to me and sit. Don't come to me so I can berate you. Don't come to me so that I can get mad at you. That's what we think. We think we come to God cowering and afraid, whereas John 6, 37, Jesus says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will send them away 
full of shame. No, I will never drive away. When Jesus tells us to come, he tells us to come in order to heal us, to free us, to deliver us, to give us a hope and a future, to embrace us, to love us, not to shame us. But you have to experience this from a loving Savior who you've accepted the invitation from before you can go and share that with others. So the question today, for those of you who are here For those of you who are watching and for those of you who are listening, have you come to Jesus? Have you laid down your burdens and your fears and everything that you've been through, have you laid it at the foot of the cross? Have you come to Jesus? Because the invitation is there to come so that he can pour his love out on you. That leads to the next word, see. He said, come and see. This is an obvious progression. You ever take somebody somewhere and you show them something and here's what you, see? You see, I told you. I don't believe you. Well, then come and see. And this is exactly what the angel is saying to the Marys. Listen, don't just take my word for it. Come and see. Come see where he was laying down and he's not there anymore. This is what he's saying. See for yourself. Jesus is who he said he is and he has done what he said that he would do. Don't take my word for it. See it for yourself. This has to be something that you personally experience. And there are plenty of people who have no experience with God. They know something about God. They've heard about God. Their parents talked about God. They went to church with their grandparents or or somebody in their family used to go to church because that's usually what somebody tells you when you say you're a pastor. It's like, oh, well, you know, my great-grandfather was a deacon. That's good. They knew something about God. But the angel said to the woman, come in, don't be afraid. I want you to see the exact place where Jesus was, but he's not here anymore. Investigate it for yourself. See, look at it. Come to the understanding on the basis of your own experience. You don't have to take my word for it. Seeing is an invitation to personal faith, a personal encounter with the way and the truth and the life. I have come to Jesus and I have seen him for myself. And this is why I remember what Jesus said to Thomas when he says, I'm not going to believe unless I first see the nail prints in his hands and his feet. And Jesus says, well, come and see, touch and see. But blessed are those who believe and don't see. That see with eyes of faith, that's what we see with today. That we believe Jesus is who he says he is, what his word says about him. We have come, we have seen, and now we believe. Have you seen Jesus for who he truly is? Because if you come to Jesus, this is the way you're going to have to have your eyes opened to see who he truly is. And when you see who he truly is, you cannot help but to surrender to your life to a loving Savior who has paid the price for your life. You will perceive correctly and know that he is the Savior and Lord. He is the lover of your soul. You will see that. And after you come to him and you've seen him, this is the third word, the third verb, if you will. You believe. It can't stop with just seeing. Many people come to see Jesus. Many people came to see Jesus. We could read throughout all the scriptures, all of the crowds that would come to see Jesus. They they would hear a message, and they still didn't believe. They'd see what he'd do, and they still didn't believe. And it's the same today. Many people come to see Jesus. 
They come to church. They see what God does. They see what he does in somebody's life. They see the change that took place in their life. Maybe they read about Jesus on Instagram. Maybe they watch a message. They've seen all of these things. They've heard so many things, but yet they still don't believe for themselves. God is moving throughout all of history and he's moving throughout all of creation in numerous ways there's all kinds of ways that we can see him moving but Matthew 13 13 talks about those that see Jesus in all kinds of ways who've heard the gospel message who've seen the lives of people changed around them and it says those seeing they do not see though hearing they do not hear or understand I see it I just don't believe it anybody ever said that before I see it I just don't believe it Plenty of people have seen Jesus. They just don't believe him. That's why believing matters. Come, see, and don't just see, but believe for yourself. I don't want to be that person who walks away after seeing and doesn't believe. Hebrews 11 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, what do we have to do? Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him the way of salvation is to believe that Jesus is in fact the son of God and that he rose from the dead and John 3 16 reminds us of the reward of that belief that all who believe in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life that's the reward of those who are willing to come and see and believe this is why I'm grateful for the grace of God to be able to have the eyes of my heart opened and the ears of my heart open so that I can hear and see Jesus is in fact who he says he is. And to believe he's the son of God. It is by grace through faith that we are saved, that we're able to come to the invitation that Jesus has offered, that we're able to see who he really is, the son of God resurrected from the dead, and that we're able by faith to believe that he is exactly who he says he is. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Now we can move on to the next three words that really encompass the great commission. We've gathered we gather around the cross. We, we gather around the empty tomb. We gather around the word of God. We gather around who Jesus is. We come, we see, we believe, and then we go. Those are the next three words. We're called to go. As the church, we are always coming and gathering and then going. Coming in the name of Jesus to gather in his name and then going for Jesus. This is the pattern of God's people from Genesis to Revelation. To gather in his name and to go in his name. Never just to gather, but to gather and to go. See, Jesus Christ passed on to the church his mission to seek and to save the lost. And as long as we're here, until Jesus returns, our commission, our mandate from Jesus is to go and tell of his salvation with our lips and show it with our lives so that people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation will be saved by faith and give him glory for the mercy that he has poured out upon us. We gather to go. But you see, our human tendency is we gather to stay. We, we gather to go, but our human proclivity is to gather and huddle up and stay because it's safer and, and it's easier and it's just more enjoyable. We have an experience with God and, and we want to stay on the mountain. 
We think that's easier. I, I don't have time to go through it, but as I was thinking about it this week, actually the mountain, when I read about it in the Bible, it's not necessarily easier. It's the greatest place of transformation, but it's also some of the greatest places of pain. Just ask Abraham or ask Jesus on the mountains that they went to, or Moses for that matter. And I think this is important for us, however, because we think of mountaintop experiences with God and the presence of God, and that's great, and that's where we want to live, and that's where we want to be, but that's not where we're supposed to stay. We're supposed to export that to people who still need to know God, and they're not on the mountain yet. They haven't seen Jesus yet. I think this is why it's important to do what the angel says. Go quickly, like the text says in verse 7. Go quickly and tell, because the longer you wait, the more liable you are not to tell anybody. The quicker we begin to live a lifestyle of obedience, the quicker we'll begin to live a life of faith. The longer we question and wait and wonder if we should obey, the easier it's gonna be to rationalize a sedentary type of faith where we just forfeit the calling on our lives to be ministers of reconciliation. Disobedience will always lead to fear and doubt, and fear and doubt are the enemies of faith and obedience. Disobedience will begin to deter you from the destiny God has for you. It will keep you from fulfilling what God has given you to do in this life, and that's to tell others what he's done for you. It derails our destiny. This is why Jesus is constantly saying, don't be afraid. That's why the angel, whenever you show up, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm going to go with you to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm actually going to empower you with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be with you to the ends of the earth. And Jesus showed us by example that comfort is not the call. Taking up the cross is the call. Dying to ourselves for the sake of others is the essence of Christ's love and what we're supposed to be showing and living. And those we are called to reach are typically not on the mountain. They're in the valley. So that's where we have to go. And that's where we have to go quickly. We take our experience with God to those who have not experienced God. Our mountaintop experiences have to be exported to the valleys. And many people that we're going to reach, church, are not even here yet. Many people that we're going to reach are not even in this region right now. They might not even be in this nation. People that God has called out of darkness and into light. And he's saying these are those that we're going to go and tell what we've seen and believed. So we gather in his name and then we must go in his name. You are the light in the darkness of the world that you are in. Wherever that is and wherever God takes you, you are a shining light into that darkness. Not somebody else. Hey, hey, can you come over here? They want to know about Jesus. You tell them about Jesus. But we don't just go. We've got something miraculous to show and something powerful to tell. When we go or just show up, we also show and tell. And what do we show? We show others what's happened in our lives. It's, it's pretty much that simple. We show something that we own, that is valuable to us, and that's the fact that Jesus has bought our lives and that we belong to him, and he is the treasure of our lives. He's much more valuable than the holy grail of amazing Spider-Man comics. I'm gonna show and tell you. Man, I was excited to show and tell you about this. It's one of my treasured possessions. Jesus is a greater treasured possession. Why wouldn't I be as excited to get into the bag of my life 
and show you what Jesus has done for me and how valuable he is. Priceless. So I show and tell. And Jesus, think about it for a second. Jesus knew it would be dangerous for the disciples to go and show and tell what he had done for them. What they had seen and what they had believed. I remember what Peter, he's like, I can't stop talking about what I've seen. I'm not going to stop talking about what I've seen and what I believe. And yet Jesus assured them and he assures us that surely his goodness and his mercy and his love would follow us all the days of our lives. If we follow him, this is going to follow us. It's the same for us. Jesus doesn't promise a life without danger. He just promises that he will be with us in the middle of whatever we're going through. So we trust, we obey, we go by faith, and when we do so, faith will arise and grace will abound. Sometimes we're expecting the faith to arise and the grace to abound while we're not moving. And that doesn't work. Do not fear, the the angel said. Go quickly. Until you ever been on a high dive they're not around anymore because of insurance I'm sure but back when I was a kid in our little neighborhood pool we had the low dive and we hit the springboard and we had the high dive and I'm going to tell you as many times as I went up there if I ever went up there slowly and stood there I just turned around and went back I ain't jumping down there that's too far but when I would go and I wouldn't think about it, and I would just take the step and jump off and go quickly. I'm in there, and I'm fine. Why is it that we weigh the pros and cons about what Jesus has told us more than anything else that we do? We go quickly. But here's the major difference from, say, elementary school show and tell. You don't have to think about what to show others. I don't have to think about what to put in the bag. I know what Christ has done for me. I show what Jesus has done for me. That's what you show. You show how your life has been forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you tell them that Jesus is the one who did it for you and that he can do it for them as well. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. There's no reason to go if there's nothing in my life to show and therefore nothing in my heart to tell. But when we truly have come, when we truly see, and we truly believe, there is a yearning, and yes, a commission, and an empowerment to go, a new life to show, and a gospel story to tell. Today, I I brought my life to show you. That's what we're saying. Today, I brought my, my life to show you. Before Jesus, there was a lot to see, but none of it was good. I could take you back there, but that person's dead. And in its place, there's a new creation, a new heart, a new life, a new person that is alive in Christ. That's what I wanted to show you. My life without Jesus and now my life with Jesus. And it's very different. Let me show you what has happened in my life. And let me tell you who did it. That Jesus made this sinner a saint. That Jesus made this enemy of God a friend of God. That Jesus made this wretch his treasure. And as he's using me right now to tell you about him, he wants you to know that you can have him as your Savior and Lord as well. So come, see, and believe for yourself. And when your eyes are open to the one who knows all about you and still loves you and has a purpose for your life, then you will be forever changed just like I have been forever changed.
I want you to notice that I didn't go into any deep theology. I didn't try to explain the mystery of the Trinity. I didn't try to answer every question that we have. I just told you the story of the gospel and how it changed me and brought me from death to life. So many times I think we think we have to have all the answers. And it's just that we know the answer. I love how 1 John 1 says, the life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, if, there is, if there's a more poignant scriptural basis for what I'm talking about this morning, I don't know what there is. This is powerful. This is what we're called to do. And you could hear that language. These people who have come and seen and believed, and now they're going and showing and telling all that God has done for them to whoever God leads them to. And this is what's supposed to happen through us, church. I want to encourage you today. You've got a story to tell. And you've got people to tell that I will never see until you tell them, and then they end up in the church somehow, and then I get to see them. And I'll rejoice with you. Sometimes we think, as I said, we've got to tell people everything that they don't know, and all you have to tell them is what Christ has done for you. There's a very familiar story in John 4, one of my favorites, and I'll close with this, where Jesus encountered the woman at the well. Because here's the reality, I want you to understand, we are just the messengers to introduce them to their Savior. Come and see and believe for yourself. That's what we're, we're doing, the same thing the angel said to the Marys. Come and see and believe for yourself. What am I seeing? Well, then I'm going to show you what's happened in my life, and I'm going to tell you who did it. That's what I want you to see. Jesus encountered this woman at the well, and I want to show you an example of how this works from this encounter with Jesus. One thing of historical significance is that when Jesus showed up in this city, the city was never the same. And it's still the same today. When Jesus shows up in our city or any city, any community, we're never the same. This woman had an encounter with Jesus, and because every heart contains a God-induced thirst that can only be satisfied by Jesus, she immediately went and told the people of her city. Nobody had to tell her to go do it quickly. Her life was so radically changed, she just... She actually did exactly what Jesus told her not to do. She went and told everybody. And here's what she said. Come see and believe in the Messiah who told me everything about me, everything I ever did, and loved me anyway. This was her go show and tell moment. And then many people followed. It says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Many people believed because of her willingness to go, show, and tell, and even to be transparent about her life. Many people will believe, church, if you would be willing to go, show, and tell what Jesus has done in your life. You have a story to tell. Then watch this in verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. 
Now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. No, I, I saw what God did in your life. I, I see now what you showed and told me. I, I see it for myself. So I don't just believe because you told me. Now I believe because I have seen and my eyes have been opened. And I want you to see that an ostracized, marginalized, shunned, forgotten woman then went to a group of people who, if they knew she existed, ignored her and called her every name you probably think of in the book. And then Jesus reached those people through this marginalized woman. Then he reached a city. Then he reached a nation. And that's how it goes. There is no insignificant life in Christ. So, well, not about me. I, 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 please. We maybe have all have thought that, but please don't because it's just not true. If this life can be used, and God has proven that, if my life can be used, all of our lives can be used for his glory. People from all over the world, I'm telling you right now, will no longer believe just because of what we have said. But they will believe because they have seen for themselves. Because somebody, you and I, this church was willing to go, was willing to show, was willing to tell. And they now have seen and believed for themselves. And this isn't hyperbole. This isn't me saying something philosophical. This has been the testimony of our lives, the testimony of my life, the testimony of this church's life. There are people in Evans, in Augusta, in North Augusta. There are people in Memphis, in St. Thomas, in St. Croix, in Cuba, in South Africa, in Mexico, in Haiti, and in Honduras, and in Latvia, and all over the world who now believe because we were willing to go and show and tell. Say, so I haven't gone yet. It's okay, you will. You must. This is why we gather in the mighty name of Jesus so that we can go to the nations, show the power of Jesus to transform a life, and tell the gospel story of how it took place. And that God can do the same for that person. See, come, see, believe for yourself, gather around the gospel, and don't be afraid because God has empowered you to go show and tell what Jesus has done for you to the end of your street and to the ends of the earth. In Focus Church, we gather to go to our neighborhoods and to the nations because this is who God has called us to be as his church in the earth today. He has commissioned us. The Son of God has commissioned us and empowered us with the Holy Spirit of God to go and to make disciples of all nations. And that can start today. It can start tomorrow. And it should carry on for the rest of your life. Don't forsake the gathering together. Because this is the place where we gather in the name of Jesus to be equipped and empowered in his name. And then we go. The more we come See and believe the more we should want to go show and tell what Christ has done on our behalf. Amen. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.